Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. How many in here think God knows what he's doing? (laughs) He does. God knows. Oh, God knows. It never ceases to amaze me how God sets things in order. Remember, the word says he is the author and the finisher of our faith, right? He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. (laughs) He kind of knows a few things. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. Pretty sure he knows the in-between. We serve a God who knows. So I really do appreciate uh, the worship service we had. And I feel a wonderful presence of God in here. And God wants us to know that he loves us. Oh, that much. Could have just kept worshiping for a couple of days, I think. God knew that we needed a, a break in between. So does everyone realize and know that God loves you? God loves you. And just know that he loves you so much that he wants to speak to you in real time. Right here, right now, right where you're at. And so, I'm going to give you some really fresh bread. It's still warm. (laughs) And it's in real time. If you'll turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. No Wednesdays is a teaching format. I'm not even going to try tonight. Okay? (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. And if you would, because we're in real time, and God's going to speak to every single one of us right here, right now. So we're all going to be a part of this. If you'd stand, thank you so much for honoring God's word. Watch ye. No, let's start over. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. You could read it this way. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, be brave like men. And Be strong. Oh, Jesus. You are already here in such a mighty, mighty, powerful way tonight, God. 
And your word is eternal. Your word is life. Words that save, heal, deliver, strengthen. And so once again, Jesus, in this time, in this very moment, Lord, in this house of faith, in this sanctuary, Lord, where we step aside from all the weights of the world and, and everything, Lord, that surrounds us and engulfs us and captivates us, Jesus, in this very moment, in this place, right here, right now, let your will be done, Jesus. Touch every heart, every single one of us, Jesus. Lord, increase our faith mightily tonight, Jesus. Speak a word, not only of love, Jesus. We know you love us, but Lord, increase our faith. Draw us in, Jesus. Captivate us completely. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It's a short passage. Just one verse. Watch, stand, fast, firm. Be brave like men. Meaning, you may not be brave yet. You don't have to be yet, but there's something that's being established. There's a pattern to step into. You don't feel it yet, but do it anyways. You may not understand, you may not even want to, but do it anyways. God's calling you, God's drawing, he's doing a work, he's gone before you and I. It's called faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it's the realm with, with which we're called to walk in. It's not there to obtain, it's not a fact, because if it were a fact, it wouldn't require faith. So it's going to take a step, one step at a time. And the first step is be strong. Quit, you like men. Be brave like men and be strong. Be strong, strength will follow. So just getting started and starting to lay a groundwork, I'm going to take you to um, perhaps... I don't feel like thinking too hard tonight. So, and until the anointing kicks in and God takes over. I'll say this, I'll stumble through it. It's not totally accurate, but my least likely passage, or my least liked passage in scripture. Because there's something powerful to be established in it, but I don't like it. The natural man, that war that you hear me refer to so many times, the natural man does not like this passage of scripture. So if you'll turn with me for this pattern of faith as we establish something and see a kingdom principle unfold before us. Luke chapter 17. I don't ever recall in all my years in the church serving God, I don't ever recall ever, I don't remember anyone ever preaching this particular example that God himself, Jesus Christ, lays out. And we'll start with verse 1 just to kind of lay the groundwork. And we'll read through verse 10. And then said he, Luke chapter 17 verse 1, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. 
Another way of saying it would be, it is impossible, but that stumbling blocks will be set before you. You can't avoid them, it's going to happen. They will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It is far better for him that a, a, a millstone were hanged about his neck and he, ca he, and he cast into the sea that he should offend, than that he should offend one of these little ones. I'm not going to preach about that. It's just very interesting that this is leading up to one of the most incredible questions or requests of the disciples for Jesus. Now, I mentioned before, I, I'm, I'm only aware of one time when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something, and that was to teach them to pray. So we see another question come up right here, or a request. Jesus responds in, in verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. Pay attention. Be diligent in this matter. Take heed. I'm going to show you something. If a brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he be repentant, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times, or seven times in a day, and seven times in a day again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So there's an element of forgiveness that's necessary, but not going to tarry there. This is how Jesus responds, and then verse 5. And here we go. In response to that, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now when you read this, even contained within the chapter, and, and bear in mind, there were no chapters and verses in the original text. So it's a continual flowing. But even within this chapter broken down, <laughs> you've got offenses, stumblings, Perhaps we could look at that as sins that could come upon us, whatever. Jesus says, take heed to thyself, forgiveness, and he goes right, the, the apostles go right into Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. It's a weird transition to me. It gets a little more strange how Jesus responds. The question was what? The request was what? Increase our faith. Watch Jesus' response, and this is where, oh, I feel like maybe we should just close it right now and go home. I don't want to go there. But there's a principle that we've got to understand. And the Lord, in verse 6, and the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree or the mulberry tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Sounds halfway decent so far, but he continues on. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come in from the field, go sit down to meet. Jesus tells them in, their res in a response to the disciples saying, increase our faith. And here's what Jesus says. If you had a servant, and that servant labored and toiled 
all day long in the field. And that servant is your servant. He then comes into the house at the end of a long, trying day. How many of you would say to him, oh, servant, come on in and sit down and eat. Let me embellish a little bit more. Would any of you, not you, Jesus speaking to his disciples, to the men he's speaking to, would any of you say to your servant, oh, go ahead, take a load off, and I'll fix you something to eat? This is super fresh. Because I don't like it even. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. But there's a kingdom principle here that's powerful and has everything to do with faith. Jesus continues on. And will not rather say unto him, let me clarify. Jesus says, that's not what you would do. You would say unto the servant, make ready. You're not done. You're just getting started. You're my servant. (laughs) Make ready, therefore, I may sup and gird thee and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward shalt thou eat and drink. (laughs) Here's what Jesus was saying. From another rendering, prepare supper for me, and I quote, prepare supper for me, dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink. You know, it's a little difficult to see that in the King James. But that's what the ESV says. Prepare supper for me, dress properly, Serve me while I eat and drink. So not only is the servant supposed to come in after working all day long, Jesus is saying the proper response, <laughs> the proper understanding. No, get yourself cleaned up. And now it's time to serve me. Now it's time to worship me. Makes me Oh, feeling a little bit better. It makes me think of and feel of a Wednesday night where how many of us, most of us, all of us, have worked all day long, middle of the week, and yet here we are in the right attire, cleaned up, and the first thing we do huh, is we bless Jesus. We come here in this time, in this place, and we start out in worship and prayer. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Perhaps, just perhaps, take it how you want to take it. Perhaps we would do well to come in and just put our laundry list and our needs list on the back burner. Because somehow Jesus is saying, hey, I got a powerful principle for you disciples right here. And these things are recorded for our examples. And so it may just be, (laughs) it may just be that Jesus is saying, okay, that's all fine and good. Your time will come, but the right order of things is for you to go ahead and bless me now. It's time to worship me and to serve me and to bless me. This is the right pattern. One half of this man doesn't like it. And the other half of the man is like feeling Holy Ghost goosebumps. 
kingdom principles. Verse 9, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Hmm. Jesus is saying, this is your duty. This is your role. Jesus is a great God. He's a great many things to us. We sing of him being our friend. We sing of him being our Savior. We sing of him being our Lord. And there's something to keeping him in the right place and us keeping ourselves in the right place. Jesus tells his disciples here, you don't even deserve a thanks. That goes contrary to the human way of thinking, the natural man's way of thinking. We want to be appreciated. We want to be recognized. We want what we want. And God's saying, not just here, but in so many ways, let me define the situation. Let me define you. Let me redefine the pattern. And there's power in that. So what we see here is we need to stay focused and fulfill our role within God's plan. God has a plan. God has a plan for all of us as a whole for the body of Christ. God has a plan individually for for each and every one of us within our going in and going out, day in and day out. It's true. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. Along with that, he has a role for us. Amen? Verse 10 speaks of, so you also, when you have done, this is the ESV again, so when you also have done all that you were commanded, say we were, or we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. Increase our faith, Jesus. We have done your command. When we can say we have done your command, when we can say we have done our duty, which is his command, when we can say we've played the role. I'm pointing out playing the role because if all of us were honest, we don't like this story. I don't like this story. (laughs) I, I don't like... No, you've worked hard all day. Now wait on me some more. I, the natural man does not like, we don't even like waiting. Nothing we do in life anymore is waiting. Everything's instant. Huh. But there's power to it. And in the realm of faith, in the realm of faith, We all know nothing's instantaneous. And I'll tell you, it's because we have to play our role. I laid the principle there. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel. 
We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, and on the way there, uh, there's ways of checking things. We, we learn at a young age in school, uh, the way to check addition is through subtraction, and vice versa. The way to check subtraction would be through addition, and we could go further and further with more examples of that, but it's a truth. You can check something with the opposite part, right? And, and so I'll say even in Scripture, for a kingdom concept, and, and when I use that word kingdom concept, what it means to me when I speak it, what it means is it's immutable, it's unchangeable. It's a fact. You won't change it. Just like one plus one equals two, right? Two minus one equals one. You can't change it. You can disagree with it all you want. You, you can not have faith in it, but it doesn't change anything. Why? Because at the end of it all, we could argue until we are completely exhausted and have no arguments left. And at the end of it all, it's because there was a creator who set things in motion and there's a pattern and there's truth to all of it. It's by God's grand design. It's a law because God established that way, period. If we go far enough back, we'll find anything that works, truly works, there's a principle of God's behind it. And so I would make the point that if this be true, we'll see this principle play out for the believers and the unbelievers alike. And so that's why we're starting at 1 Samuel chapter 4, starting with verse 5. Maybe I am teaching tonight. God knows. A familiar passage, area of Scripture. We see Israel in a place of, well, there's, there's about to be great change within the kingdom of Israel. Eli's the high priest, Hophni and Phinehas are in the priesthood. We know, is everyone here familiar with Hophni and Phinehas? They weren't really doing things right. Is that an understatement? <laughs> if they weren't really doing things God's way, uh, I don't think we could really expect to see God's blessings poured out upon them. It is nothing that they would earn, right? I mean, it's not because it's something they're doing. And so, although they're the children of Israel, although they're the promised people, the promised family, going all the way back to Abraham, Israel's being misled and misguided spiritually at this point. And so, they're about to go out to war against the Philistines. And Hophni and Phinehas have this brilliant idea which should work. <laughs> you would think it would work. They're going to take God or the presence of God, the representation of God with them out to battle. Starting in verse 5, And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth Ring again. If it 
Ring again, it means it must have ring before, right? Hmm. Something familiar sound, a familiar sound is taking place. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. So, <laughs> Israel led by, in this instance, two men who really don't care anything about honoring God. Not even in the least bit. Bring the presence of God or the representation of it, the Ark of the Covenant, into the battle. Something's happening spiritually. Something's manifesting in the natural realm that has happened before. The Philistines are aware of it. The Israelites are somewhat aware of it, although misguided. They shouted, the Israelites shouted, they're excited. The warriors, the warriors are excited because the ark, the presence of God is before them. Although they're being misled. Something's still happening. The Philistines are aware of it. Because even back then they realized, know your history and know your surroundings. They were aware of what God had done for Israel, bringing them out of Egypt. They were aware of what God had done for Israel, bringing them into the promised land. They were aware for well over the past 400 years at this point that there was something significant to the presence of God and to the God of Israel. What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? I'm in verse 6. And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. They knew what it represented. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. The Philistines, I think we all know, but just in case we don't, they're the bad guys. They're supposed to be the bad guys here. Israel is God's chosen nation. And the Philistines, they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. I said it was fresh. Does anyone have any other rendering of what heretofore means? It's never happened before. Thank you, Sister Miranda. They were afraid, they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there had not been anything like this before. Not for us. Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? They don't quite get it, but they're aware of it. They, they know what the God or gods of Israel can do, but they're not familiar with the God. Of Israel. So here they find themselves. Huh, there's a stirring, there's a moving, there's something happening in the atmosphere. The Philistines find themselves on the flip side or the downside of faith, it would seem. 
it would seem. Yeah. This is another point in Scripture. As we read, out of nowhere, it feels like the context changes. I can't put a finger on it. I don't know who said it. And here we go. Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us, in verse 8, out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians. I said they knew the history. They knew their surroundings. They smote, these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. All of a sudden, it changes. These are men and warriors who are fearful. And I don't know who's saying it, but there it is. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, be strong and quit yourself. Ha. It doesn't fit. It's on the wrong side of the battle. It's a kingdom principle. And if it works on both sides, pretty sure it's immutable and it's unchangeable because it's of God. Not the circumstance, but the principle. Oh, that was good. Not the circumstance, the principle. <laughs> it's not your circumstance, it's God's principle. It's not your position in the circumstance, it's your position. In God's principle. It means everything. Why? Because this all started with a request. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. What did you think? You think God was going to just let him flounder? What did you expect? Did you think it was going to be something easy? No. God does simple things. But they're never easy. <laughs> Why? Because I don't like the story, and yet I love the story. Because there's this war and this battle between the natural man and the spiritual man in real time for all of us. Is this all right? Be strong. And quit yourselves. Another word, conduct. Just forget to quit. It's in the King James, in the note, what that also means. Be strong and conduct yourselves. Just like our opening scripture. You don't feel strong. Act that way anyways. You don't feel it, it don't matter. Do it anyways. We're talking about faith. You know, it's always right. <laughs> Pastor Cordell, it's always right to do the right thing. Even when it don't feel good. I don't like it, but I'm going to do the right thing. Why? Don't matter how I feel. Don't matter how you feel. Don't matter what the circumstance looks like. What is the principle of God's? What is God's order? 
place yourself in it. But I don't feel like it. I don't believe it. I don't have faith. Perhaps it's even, I have a little bit of faith, but help my unbelief. Keep walking in it. Play the role. Conduct yourself as. Quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines. Just to remind us, it's not talking to the Israelites. The wrong side. The wrong side somehow gets a kingdom principle. Right at a point in scripture that just changes just like that. They're fearful. <laughs> oh, ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Once again, quit yourselves like men. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. They didn't feel like men. The earth is trembling, shaking. These things happen. It happened with Saul. patterns. Saul was underneath that, I believe it was a mulberry tree. Jonathan steps out in faith, <laughs> acts like a man, plays the role of a man, goes up and him and his armor bearer <laughs> go up against a garrison of Philistines on higher ground. You realize the significance of that? The location of the battle always plays into the outcome. Almost. In the natural realm, the Philistines had the higher ground. Jonathan and his servant were outnumbered. They only had one sword. Huh. Jonathan understood something. He kind of said it. It may be by many or by few, God's going to bring this victory. He stepped out of the realm of common sense mm -hmm, and into the realm of faith. So much so that he took his sword <laughs> and gave it to his armor bearer. The crazy thing is, you would think that Okay, you're the servant. You take the sword. You go in front. No. Doesn't make any sense at all. Jonathan said, you take my sword. I'll go in front. I'll knock him down, and you slam. Completely backwards. The entire story is backwards from the way we would think. with godly principles, kingdom principles. It doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we feel. The natural realm will tell us one thing, <laughs> and God's saying, just get this little principle, and I'm going to change everything. And so even the Egyptians here show us this principle. They played the role of men, even when they didn't feel like it. Now, now, let's go ahead and flip to 2 Samuel, chapter 10.
No, let's look at the good guys. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 10. We'll start with verse 1. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, or the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun, his son, reigned in his stead. David reaches out. The king of Ammon had been kind to David. And so David is now king, and David now reaches out in diplomacy and gives his condolences to the former king's son. Oh, maybe we do need to read it. We've got to make a point here. The response in verse 3, the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun their lord, the new king, thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? That he hath sent comforters unto thee? No. Uh-uh. David. They think otherwise had not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? I'm not going to tarry here, but I will make this point. The voice we're listening to huh, can make all the difference. And if there's one thing I know, if there's one thing I'll declare over and over and over again, day after day after day, is God let your word Define this heart. God, let your principles, let your words and your principles get between this mind, perhaps this heart, and then my actions and my words. If my thoughts and my heart, knowing that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we need to take every, every thought, subject it, Take it into captivity. Okay? And knowing that the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? According to God's word, if we can take the principles of God, the word of God, and get it between our heart, our mind, and filter it before it hits our actions and our words. Oh, that's a powerful thing. That will revolutionize Everything it touches. <laughs> Can't tarry there. What's speaking into your life? What's guiding your life? What's determining your life? And remember, I'll go back to the, the unworthy servants is what it was called back in Luke. It don't feel good. I don't like it. It shouldn't be. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Filter me, Jesus. Take me through it, whatever it may be. Walk me through it, Jesus, because he's going to increase in the process. He will increase every time in the process. Amen. Yeah. Verse 4, wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. We can't. This is devastating. I, last time I spoke, I talked about the Talit. 
you realize, I don't even need to talk about the shaving of the beard, and it doesn't mean much to me, I, I shave. But that delete, it, the, the sons of Ammon cut off their relationship. It cut off the depth of who they were. Because in the fringes of that garment, like I mentioned last time, every prayer they had ever prayed was with that garment, was with that, that robe. And so what happened here was so significant and devastating for these men. So devastating that they wouldn't even go back to David. They wouldn't even go back to Jerusalem. And David has to send word to them. Verse 5, and when they told it on to David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards are be grown. And they returned. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did as far as the fringes of their garments. I don't know what they did about that. But this was a devastating thing. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon said, sent and hired the Syrians. By my, my math, they hire 33,000 Syrians. And in verse 9, we see that Joab is sent out. And when Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him, before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. Not all of Israel is here at this point. It's the chosen. It's perhaps the mighty men. It's men of valor. But not all of them. And we'll see that in verse 17 when David shows up and comes on the scene. And so Joab, with the forces he has, becomes surrounded and outnumbered. And the rest of the people, in verse 10, he delivered into the hand of Abishah, his brother, and he put, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come help thee. Here's what's going down. They're surrounded and outnumbered. And they say, okay, they're before us, they're behind us. We're going to have to split up in a way and you're going to have to fight one way and I'll fight the other way. There's a good chance from the way it looks and the way that we would perceive the battle going, there's a good chance that I'm going to struggle or you're going to struggle and we're going to have to just kind of help each other out Huh. And then you get it. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people, for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth good. You have the same pattern. They're fearful, they're afraid, they're outnumbered. The situation looks hopeless. They didn't feel strong, they felt weaker. They didn't feel victorious, they felt defeat coming. From all, every perspective, every angle they could look at, it was a dire situation. But there's a kingdom principle. 
let us encourage ourselves. Let us remind ourselves who we are, the family we represent. Let us put on, let us act, let us play the role, whether we feel like it or not, the role of men. Why? Because the cause is greater than me and the cause is greater than you. We may just end up giving our life right here, right now. There's been those who've come before and who have. But it don't matter. There's a people and there's a nation. There's a kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let us play the role for the people. Let us play the role of men for the cities of our God. And at the end of it all, this started in faith. It will continue in faith and it will finish in faith. It may not feel like it. Just play the role. Step one more time. Play the role. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. It's not done. God isn't finished with you yet. God is not finished with me yet. God is not finished with his church and with the kingdom yet. Oh. Let us play the role and God will do what seemeth good to him. Do you trust God? Huh. I mean, we should be a little slower to answer though. Do we really trust God? Because what do you expect? There's going to be those moments in those times where he said, no, you may be tired. You may be worn out. You may have just completely exhausted yourself and you're not done serving yet. You may feel like you're weak. You may feel like you've done enough. You may feel like you deserve, you've reached that point, that pinnacle, and God's saying, oh, wait a second, now you're just getting into my presence and you've still got a work to do. Clean yourself up and get back to work for a little while longer. But God, I deserve, God, I ought to be. I've already paid enough. This trial's gone on too long. This tribulation, I can't handle it anymore. Jesus may just be saying, ha, huh, clean yourself up and play the role a little bit longer. Step out a little bit more. You've got a little bit more in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're empowered. You're equipped. You serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, God. I don't know. I don't know, Rob. Maybe that might be too, a bit too much. Maybe that's Old Testament. Glad you thought that. Because we've got a faithful cloud of witnesses. So turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. God's not done. God is not done. He's not done with you. You're going to be all right. God's going to bring you through. God's just getting started. We haven't even caught wind yet. We haven't, no, we haven't caught stride yet. We've yet to even achieve a small portion of what God has in store. So, play in the role, even when you don't feel like it. All right. Now, faith, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by what? Faith. The elders obtain a good report. I've got really good news for you. I'm going to read the next 
chapter my way. And so, Sister Angela, if you'd start making your way to the piano, you're playing, right? Here's how my Bible is underlined. Through faith, we understand. Faith brings understanding. Before you understand it, there's an element of faith. But faith will bring understanding. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Okay, it's a little bit to wrap your mind around. By faith, Abel offered. Without faith, Abel couldn't, Abel couldn't have offered. But it was by faith, which he hadn't obtained yet. Okay, let me... Let me All of these. Verse 13. Before I go any further, right in the middle of all of this, before I get into this flurry, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Not one single one of these men obtained it. But yet the witness for you and for, for me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, these examples happen for you and for me. Ah. And so through faith, even when he didn't feel like it, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch was translated. By faith, Noah who was warned, it was by faith that he prepared. Remember, they all never quite obtained what they saw, what they felt, what they perceived. And yet in faith, they moved forward. They played the role. They played the part. Huh. Verse 6 tells us, without this faith, it's impossible to please God. So right along with increase our faith, what's pleasing to God is faith. Play the role. Fulfill your role within God's plan. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. We're going to see it. We're going to see you come through on the other side. By faith, Abraham obeyed in verse 8. By faith, he obeyed. By faith, in 9, Abraham sojourned. You, you know what that tells me? Even when he didn't feel like sojourning, he sojourned because it was by faith. Through faith, in verse 11, Sarah received strength to conceive. <laughs> we remember she didn't feel like she could conceive to the point where she laughed about it. But somehow through faith, <laughs> she set aside the laughter. <laughs> And there was an element of faith there somehow, some way, that she grabbed a hold of. Wait a second. I'm beyond childbearing years. That's what the natural eye says. This is a spiritual thing. These are kingdom principles. These are kingdom concepts. It don't matter what we see. Okay. Don't make sense, Sarah says. 
but in faith I'll reach. Ah, God's not done yet. Keep playing that role. Keep stepping forward in faith. He's going to show himself mighty, and when he does, when he breaks forth, oh, when, he, when God breaks forth, it's a whole other sermon. I don't have time to go about it, but when God breaks forth, if Pastor Coral don't beat me to the message, when God breaks forth, oh my, it's always extravagant. <laughs> By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac in verse 17. By faith in verse 20, Isaac blessed. Wait a second. I'm in the middle of the most dry time of my life. I'm hurting. I'm confused. It don't matter. You can still bless in faith. You can still be a blessing to someone else. Why? Ah, play the role. Step out in faith. Play the role. You've got a little bit more in you. And God's not done. Fill your role within his plan. Hmm. Verse 23, by faith, Moses was hid. Verse 24, by faith, Moses refused. Ha <laughs> Moses refused. You talk about faith. He had to step aside from everything that was handed to him. And trust God. Can you imagine? <laughs> My people are a bunch of slaves. They're going to fight me. They'll fight each other. They're going to fight God. That's what I got to look forward to. And yet Moses stepped away from privilege. In faith. And look what God did. Look what God did. By faith in 27, he forsook Egypt. By faith, you can refuse. You don't think you can refuse? You don't think you got the strength? You don't think you got the power? You don't think God's equipped you and empowered you? Oh, yeah, you can refuse. You can forsake. Amen. You can. Walk in it. Play that role. Through faith in verse 28, he kept. <laughs> God to keep a great many things through faith. God to keep you. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith in verse 30, the walls fell. Anyone in here need walls to fall? Huh? <laughs> Let's stand. You, you feel like perhaps maybe I'm the only one. I don't think so. This is still hot. <laughs> it's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. But the good news is you don't got to get it all right now. You just got to step in faith. You just got to start to receive, continue to receive it. Keep on playing that role, fulfilling your role within God's plan. Amen, amen, amen. By faith, Rahab perished not. Man, does God love us. 
more than just tying some old scriptures together. God told us tonight how much he loves us, drew us into his presence. God's telling you right now, you don't feel like it, that's all right, play the role. I'm not talking about facades or pretending. I'm saying, okay, God, right here, right now, you know, you know, God, you know what I'm feeling right here, right now. He does. And what he's saying right now, God, you know, I need a little bit of faith. (laughs) And you know what he's saying? Come wait on me just a little while longer. Just a little bit more. Come serve me just a little bit more. Continue to walk through it. Continue to trust me. Continue to play the role. And you're going to see me break forth in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.